Om Sam Sarasvati Indamaha Namaste Namaste. Uh, this evening on page 455, uh, we're going to talk about some of the other stotrams that are in the appendix to the Shiva Advanced Puja. So this is called the Shiva Pancha Akshar Stotram, and it's all about the five letters of Shiva's mantra, Na, Ma, Si, Ba, Ya. And those are Panch Akshar. Which page? Uh, we're on page 455. It's 462 in the book. On oh. page 462. 452. 62. 62. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. We're almost done with this book, unfortunately. Yeah. It was a good book. <laughs> I know the guy who wrote it. <laughs> I think it was pretty good. This is a a very, very special song because every verse begins with the first letter of the first word of the first verse. Uh, the, it, it is not the letters of, the, of Shiva's mantra. So this is Nagendra, so that it begins with Na, and then it says in the last uh, line of each verse, tasmui nakaraya. So this is, and therefore, with the letter N, well, let's say he is the king of the state, uh, snakes, Nagendra, he who takes away haraya, uh, the one with three eyes who covers his body with ash, ashes, uh, trilochanaya, Bashman, Bashma Anga, Garaya, Maheshwaraya, he's the Supreme Lord of all. It, he is eternal, pure, clothed in space, and therefore with the letter Na, we bow down to Shiva. And the second verse, it starts with Ma. Mandakina, and then in the last line it says Tasmai Makaraya. So he is a stone in the midst of the Mandakini River, covered by sandal paste, the Supreme Lord of Bliss, Lord of the Foremost, the Great Supreme Lord of All. And therefore, with the letter Ma, we bow to Shiva. He is worshipped with many excellent flowers from the mind, and therefore with the letter of Ma, we bow down to Shiva. And in the third verse, it starts with Si, and then the last line, it starts, it says, Tasmai Shikaraya, and the consciousness of infinite goodness, that's Shiva, the blissful face of Gauri, uh, she who is rays of light, the sun, the light of wisdom, who destroyed Daksha's sacrifice, the respected one with a blue throat, who destroys while sitting on his bull, and therefore with the letter C, we bow down to Shiva. And in the fourth verse, it begins with the letter Bo, and in the last line, it says, Tasmui Vakaraya. And Vashishta and others from the family of existence, that's Gotam, and the Lord of the Wise Ones, and other gods offered to the highest divinity. 
The moon and the sun are the, and the fire are his eyes, and therefore with the letter wall we da bow down to Shiva. And in the fifth verse, the first letter is Ya. Na, ma, shi, vai, ya. And in the last uh, line, it says, Tasmoyo Yakaraya, he is the intrinsic nature of the lords of wealth, who wears matted hair, who holds a spear in his hands, he is eternal, he is divine, he is a god, who is clothed in space, and therefore with the letter Ya, we bow down to Shiva. And this five-lettered song has such merit that whoever will read it with all of their might, with all their capacity, with all of their strength, and with all of their devotion, Shiva will be extremely pleased, and he or she, that's the singer, will attain to his proximity. So, uh, you get to be in the same loka as Shiva. Shiva loka mavapnuti. You get to be in the same paradigm of reality, the same proximity. That's the five-lettered mantra, Namasivaya. This um, is a song about the guru and Baba Sagar. And Baba means this ocean of world. And Sagar is the ocean and Baba is the world of existence. This is different from then Bhava or Bhavana. This is Bhava. And it means also being. So uh, uh, oh, uh, the, this, this ocean of being, this ocean of existence, this, what did I say? The ocean of existence. Well, great minds seldom disagree. You show the way of crossing over the ocean of existence. Cutting asunder the bondage of the bliss of the light of wisdom. Now we're talking about here any bondage which precludes us from perceiving the bliss of the, of the light of wisdom. Granting refuge for the purity of mine, O divine guru, be compassionate and illuminate the darkness. Guru Dev, doya, doya koro. Be compassionate, huh? And dina, kora dina jane. You 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 make this this night into day. <laughs> make my ignorance into light. Illuminate the, my darkness. In the center of the heart, your light destroys darkness. You are Vishnu, Prajapati, Brahma, and Shiva Shankar, the cause of peace. You are greater than the greatest, the highest knowledge, O Divine Guru. Be compassionate and illuminate the darkness. You are a goad to, to discipline the changing mind. You, you help us create a discipline for all the minds. I mean, the mind's going to change. So if we don't make boundaries within, within which the mind can change, the mind's going to change randomly wherever it wants to roam. So if we make banks 
then the river floor flows in a predictable manner. We can understand where it's going to go, where it's going to change, where it's going to flow to, what's the goal and what's the probable outcome of my actions. You always extol the divine qualities of the shining ones. Uh, you talk about the divinity and you talk about the divine qualities of divine beings. Oh, divine guru, be compassionate and illuminate the darkness. You awaken the sleeping kundalini energy. And we always told about the, 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 the idea that kundalini is sleeping is really poetic license. Kundalini never sleeps. If she does, then she only sleeps all the time in a corpse. It is we who are sleeping. Kundalini is active and we are not aware. <laughs> we say that she went to sleep, but she didn't. We did. We tuned out and we stopped paying attention and said, oh, she went to sleep. It's okay. <laughs> it isn't okay. Stay awake. But don't get crazy. <laughs> don't allow yourself to become inefficient just because you want to stay up. You, my guru used to say, I don't care what you eat, uh, as long as you're in the asana at the appointed time and you say all the mantras of the text, uh, if you want to fast, you're entitled to. He was a very compassionate guru. <laughs> Not like Pratibha who puts mounds and mounds of vegetables on my plate. You awaken the sleeping kundalini energy and cut the knots which entangle the heart. She cuts the, uh, the knots which bind my heart to silly things and she, she, uh, she removes the bondage uh, to this worldliness and to, to the wrong decisions. Turn the night of confusion into the day of darkness. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, divine guru, be compassionate and illuminate the darkness. Your gracious glance purifies all limitations. You are the giver of the blessings of comfort and peace. So anytime we see her, we forget about all the limitations, all the craziness, all the confusions, all those uh, asuras that are floating around in our brain. We just, uh, one glance, and uh, we think about our beloved rather than thinking about the confusions. For those who recite your name, you remove the three kinds of afflictions, above, below, and in the middle, or the earth, the... Uh, the the gross body, the subtle body, the causal body, all the threes. Oh, divine guru, be compassionate and illuminate the darkness. You crush the rise of possessiveness and protect us from that which would slay the soul. You give pure devotion to free consciousness from the bondage of the forces of doubt. Oh, divine guru, be compassionate and illuminate the darkness. Therefore, the aspirants to divinity, that's us, always recite your pure name, that's you, Shri Ma, Shri Ma, Shri Ma.
as you are like the Lord offering purity to men and women, to all humanity, your greatness is perceivable only by minds that are pure. The rest of us just see you. They see statues instead of seeing the symbol of divinity. They don't see the God on the altar. They see a beautiful altar decorated with statues. Oh, Divine Guru, be compassionate and illuminate the darkness. Victory to the true Guru who destroys the diseases of worldly bondage, leading humans to supreme divinity, so that our minds can remain at your respected feet. Oh, Divine Guru, be compassionate and illuminate the darkness. This next song is in praise, five verses in praise of a loincloth. Copine is a symbol of renunciation, and it means uh, uh, not only celibacy, but celibacy of the heart, where I just don't have any other desires other than to be one with God. So, uh, who... Whoever wears a loincloth is blessed because they are free from all the attractions and repulsions of the universe, hopefully, <laughs> or at least striving in the path of freedom. They are striving, reaching for that freedom. So this is a, a very important song for all of those who strive for renunciation. We sing the song Gyanavoyaragya Siddhyartam Bhikshamdeki Japarvati. Hey, for the perfection of wisdom and renunciation, please, Parvati, uh, give me some nourishment. Well, here is an individual who wears the loincloth of renunciation, which symbolizes either they're reaching towards renunciation or they've achieved it. He always contemplates Vedanta philosophy, seeing everywhere oneness. He is always content with the food received by begging, and means he doesn't sanchar uh, He doesn't have to stock up for the future. If you look in his pantry, you won't see boxes and boxes of stuff for the next meal. He is free from sorrow and grief full of compassion, how fortunate is he who girds his loins with a coping loincloth. He only resides at the foot of a tree, making his plate of food by his own two hands, as well as his patched blanket, so he sews and he cooks. <laughs> he sees the absurdities of existence with intelligence, I mean, when you look at it all intelligently, it's pretty absurd. It's really a divine comedy. How fortunate is he who girds his loins with a coping loincloth. And just because the grammar is masculine doesn't mean that this does not apply to everyone, male and female. However, traditionally, the boys wore a coping loincloth. Girls did too. They're in the Boyravi tradition. 
they wear coping loincloth as well. But to what purpose? Uh, they, in the old days in Goa, they just wore coping loincloth. And that was pretty purposeful. It was sort of like a thong. Uh, discriminating between body and mind. Master of his own soul. He delights in infinite consciousness day and night. How fortunate is he who girds his loins with a coping loincloth. He resides contented in the bliss of communion with his own soul. He has silenced the changes and modifications of all the organs within him. Oh, now all our organs, they, they, they may change or go through modifications. Uh, he is silenced to all of that. He's, he, he's deaf to that, that cacophony of change. All memories have been silenced from outside, from inside, and in the middle. I'm not sure where the middle is, but it, maybe that must be upstairs. All memories, he just kind of got a lobotomy and forgot it all has no attraction or repulsion, no compulsion to dwell on the past experience. It's gone. Remember, the past is a present memory. The future is a present projection. And the reality is only the present. If we can fill our present with nitya karma, that's eternal, that's the seven aspects of Siddhanta Chara, Puja, Pat, Homa, Sangeet, Narit, Pravachan, Arpon. If you do karma yoga in your present and you achieve yoga, there is no past, there is no future. There's just eternal, eternality. An eternity of the consciousness of infinite bliss. So he, all memories have been silenced from outside, from inside, and in the middle. How fortunate is he who girds his loins with a coping loincloth. He continually recites the pure five-lettered mantra, Nama Shivaya and maintains the attitude of highest divinity within his heart. He wanders in all directions to receive offerings and to take what he needs and to give what he can. How fortunate is he who girds his loins with a coping loincloth. And finally we have the Siva Chalisa. Now remember, chalis means 40, and chalisa means adventures. And the 40 verses which express the adventures of our deity is the chalisa. And we have a Shiva Chalisa, we have a Hanuman Chalisa, we have a Lakshmi Chalisa and a Saraswati Chalisa. We have a Chalisa. Well, nowadays we've got one for, we've got a Srimad Chalisa too. Yeah. yeah? Yeah. So this is the Shiva Chalisa, and these are the 40 verses which talk about the adventures of Shiva. And they really tell a lot about 
Why do we worship him and what did he do for us? What did worshiping him do for us to change our lives? So let's start off with saying praise to Ganesh, Jai Ganesh, victory to Ganesh, the son of she was born of the mountain, that's Girija, the excellent one who is the root of all welfare. I, it is said that you are the servant of peace. And Ayodhya is the name of the, the, the author, and he, Ayodhya is the name of a devotee, and he wrote almost all the chalices, and he's singing this song, Give to us the blessing of freedom from fear. So Ayodhya, of course, Ayodhya means war, and Ayodhya means no war, and Ayodhya is the place where there is no war, and that's the name of this devotee. If you want to see somebody who's in perfect peace, just look at the devotee of Shiva. Victory to the great God, the Lord of Uma, Mahadev, Uma Pati, Mahadev Kijay. <laughs> Jai Giri Japati Dina Doyala. Praise to the Lord, or victory to the Lord of she who is born of the mountains, that's Shiva. The Lord, she who is born of the mountains is Girija, that's Gauri, that's Durga, that's Parvati. And Shiva is her Pati, who is kind and compassionate to the poor and lowly, the Dina Doyala. He always protects his children. Santan Pratipala. Upon whose forehead the moon is shining elegantly. And remember, Chandra decided rather than disappear completely, he would rather stay on Shiva's forehead. And so Shiva gets to wear Chandra as an ornament, and whose ears are ornamented by rings of cobra snakes. And remember, the, the snakes are standing for the energy. So energy is an adornment on the body of Shiva. His body is white, and upon his head the Ganga River is flowing. Remember, Bhagirat did Tapasya to get Ganga to come to the earth, and everyone was afraid that she would wash away the earth, so they asked Shiva to take Ganga on his head and break her fall, so she would drip down his dreadlocks or his matted hair and become rivulets flowing gently down through the Himalayas. He wears a garland of skulls. He's taken all of our impurities away and he wears them as an ornament so we can see that we are free from impurity. All our negativities are gone. Shiva's got them all and he covers his body with ashes which is the purest substance on earth. Earth, he is embodied, enclosed in ashes, in purity, in clarity, in renunciation. Ashes, all, all the impurity has been burnt away from the ashes. He wears a tiger skin garment. And uh, of course, that, uh, he's, he's fearless. Uh, he's uh, uh, among the, the kings of the animals. And his countenance appears fascinating as a naked ascetic. Uh, he is uh, he's degumbered. He's uh, dressed in... Uh, 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 he's dressed in space, uh, so he, 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 you can't find the end of him. 
He's quite naked, you know. If you found it, if he was wearing something, then you could find him where he is. So as Saguna, as, uh, as embodied in a form, then you, he, you can see him with a tiger skin, and as Nirguna, he's wearing space. Kind of spaced out. To the mother, Mena, uh, the minor bird, he, he is as a beloved daughter. Uh, Mina was, of course, the mother of Parvati. And uh, uh, he was just as her, as her daughter. Uh, she regarded him as beloved as she be regarded Parvati. Uh, I'm sorry, Mina was, the, Mina was the, the mother of Shati. Maina was the mother of Shati, so she regarded Shiva as dear to her as Shati was. And his left side shines with a female countenance, so he's Ardhanari Shwar. He's half male, half female. In his hand, the tiger skin clad one, that's Shiva, holds a trishul, a trident, the trident of the unity of all the threes, and always he destroys all that is anemical, and uh, he, he, not all that is anemical, but all the enmity. So you don't feel any enmity towards anyone or anything. There's no repulsion, there's no attraction. But he destroys enemies and he destroys the enmity. How are Nandi and Ganesh always there before you? Just like the lotus is in the midst of the water. So uh, Nandi, of course, is his uh, uh, favorite bull, the uh, Shiva Gan, Gan uh, Nayak, or Gan uh, uh, And Ganesh, his son, he was first to be, uh, uh, he was rewarded with being first to be worshipped. They're always standing before Shiva, just like a lotus is always in the middle of the water. You can't have a lotus without water. In the same way, you can't have Nandi or Ganesh without Shiva. <clears throat> Kartik and, and Sham, the dark one, and others of the multitude of divine beings will not be able to see this divine, uh, this countenance manifested in any other form in any other place. So, in the same way, the dark Kartik, Kartike, he's blue, and the others of the multitude of divine beings, no other divinities will be able to see this countenance like yours manifested in any other form. Your form is special, Shiva. Whenever the gods make a shout for victory, Jai Bhagavan, then, O oh Lord, you prevent all pain. And not only the gods, but uh, uh, Daemon, it says here the gods, but uh, you take all the pain away from everyone who shouts for victory, who says, Jai Shiva. When the great dis that great disturbance was caused by the Asur Tarakashur, all the gods united in worship to you. So remember when Tarakashur kicked all the gods out of heaven and everybody got together and they started singing hymns to Shiva. Quickly you dispatched the six-faced one, that's Kartike. He was the Senapati. He was the Dev Sena, the, the, the 
uh, commander of the armies of the gods, and between the moments of a twinkling of an eye, Tarek Ashura was thrown to his death. Chapter 5. You defeated the demon Jalandar, and making your excellent welfare known to the Sansar, the world of objects and relationships. So Jalandar was born of the water, and uh, he, he was, uh, 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 you defeated him too. So, and uh, the whole, uh, uh, the whole Sansar, the whole ocean of worldliness was pleased. You made war against Tripurasur, and saved everyone by the grace of your absorption. So we have Tarakashur, Jalandar, Tripurasur. We've got a whole bunch of uh, uh, fugibaki guys that you destroyed here. Uh, and by the grace of your absorption, you saved us again. <laughs> Jai Shiva. Oh, Purari, and he's Purari, resident of the city, and that's one of Shiva's names, and he, he became Tripurari when he destroyed the, the Tripura, Asura, and he's the one who resides in the city, the city of Nine Gates. He resides here. Uh, what a great spiritual discipline Bhagirath performed to complete his promise. Remember, he did that strong tapasya to make you catch Ganga on your head. There is no other comparable to your generous nature, and your devotee, devotees always sing your praises. So nobody is as generous as you are, Shiva. You're pretty cool. The Vedas sing the greatness of your name, but the eternal, ever-existent, indescribable is not found in the manifestations of division. You're only found in unity. If I look at all the divisions, all I see is confusion. If I see, look at the unity, I see only Siva. Your light manifested in the turning of the ocean, removing the ancient fear of both gods and Asuras. So remember the gods and the Asuras, they came to Shiva and said, how do we make the nectar of immortal bliss? Shiva said, okay, you guys, go churn the ocean and see what comes out and you'll get the eternal bliss. With what compassion you offered assistance there when they called the name of the blue-necked one. Remember, the first came out, the halha, the deadly poison, and Shiva drank it down, and he got a blue throat. So they called you the blue-necked guy, Nilkant, uh, because you drank all the poison. When Ramachandra performed worship, you gave him Bibishan to defeat Lanka. So remember, Ram was going to fight with Ravan, and you, Ram did puja to Shiva, and Shiva sent Bibishan, a little bit of discrimination never hurt in crossing the ocean of worldliness, and with that discrimination, they were able to learn all the secrets of the ego and defeat Ravan. Om Purari, you performed the test of holding a thousand lotuses. Uh, so remember, uh, uh, the, uh, Vishnu was making puja with a thousand lotuses. He promised to, he had the sankalpa to perform uh, the uh, sahasranam and offer a lotus for each name. And Shiva came and took the thousandth lotus. And Vishnu said, wait there's one lotus missing. And Shiva was holding the last one. 
And Vishnu said, oh, what am I going to do? I can't get up until I offer a thousand lotuses and there are only 999 lotuses here. <laughs> How do I finish the puja? And he said, well, they call me Padma Lotion, Lotus Eyed One, so let me pull out one of my eyeballs and offer that as the thousandth lotus. And he took one arrow and started to stick it into his eye to pull out the last, uh, to offer the last lotus. And Shiva gave him the thousandth lotus and said, Stop! I know you are true to your devotion and true to your vow. So, uh, that was the test of the thousand lotuses. Oh Lord, who placed that one lotus there? It was the same lotus eyed one who desired the puja. So, uh, the, the one who desired to do the puja, uh, he offered that last lotus, uh, Shiva the Gaji. Oh Lord Shankar, cause of peace, seeing his difficult austerities of devotion being pleased, you gave him the desired boon. So she gave him the boon. Victory, victory, victory to the infinite who is indestructible. Give your grace to all the residents of creation. Every day my evil mind is troubled, chief. I continue in confusion and ignorance. Oh, believe me, do I continue in confusion and ignorance? And consciousness does not come to me. Save me, save me, O oh Lord. Hear my call. Raise me up at this time. Please. I'm singing as loudly and strongly and as efficiently as I possibly can with the greatest sincerity I can possibly offer you. Kill the enemies with your trident and raise me up above all pain. All the enemies are the six ripus, kam, krod, lob, mo, moda, matsajja. Uh, those are uh, 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 desire and uh, anger and uh, uh, greed, jealousy, ignorance and attachment. Kill those enemies, will you please, Shiv? Make me pure. Let me rise up above all pain. Mother, father, brothers, nor any others, do not even ask me about my pain. They know already. They, they all know. I got pains of my own. Why are you telling me about your pain? Uh, what a pain. Uh. And nobody asked me, she, maybe you'll, you'll help. You're the only one I know who I can call on, you can help out. Everyone else will stick out their tongue at me or turn me off or say, go away. You are my only refuge, O oh Master. Now take away the great weight of my pain. This separation from you is painful. It's a burden. I can hardly lift it. You give to the rich and you give to the poor. Whoever comes in want, to him it is given. Hey, I want something, Steve. I am in want. You give to them, you give to others. Can you give something for Swami? I have no such capacity to sing your praises. Whatever mistakes I have made, please forgive them all. Shamashya. 
Aparadasahasrani, every day I create thousands of mistakes. Tatsarvam shamyatam, please forgive it all. Whatever mistakes I have made. Shankar, O oh cause of peace, you are the destroyer of all pain, the cause of welfare, the destroyer of obstacles. Yogis, ascetics, great wise beings meditate upon you as well as Narad and Sharad bow their heads to you. Uh, of course, Narad is Devrishi and Sharad is the uh, name of Saraswati. And they both, everyone bows to you. I bow, I bow, victory, I bow to Shiva. The gods of Brahma and other divine beings cannot discover the end of your infinity. Whoever, male or female, will recite this song with one point of mind, Shambhu, the giver of bliss, will always protect debtors and others who are in want of Shiva's blessings, if they recite this song, will certainly receive according to their desires. If you're in debt, and all of us are, we owe a debt to the gods, we owe a debt to the Pitris, the ancestors, we owe a debt to the gurus and acharyas. If you're a debtor, that's us, and others who are in want of Shiva's blessings. Ah. If they recite this song, will certainly receive according to their desires. Whoever is without children and desirous of a child, without a doubt, Shiva will grant fulfillment to them. The wise and learned ones perform the vow of worship on the 13th day and meditate and perform the fire sacrifice for Lord Siva. That's Triodashi Brat who always performs the vow of worship on the 13th day, his body will continue to be free from pain. Offerings of incense, lights, and food will be made, and this recitation will be made in front of Lord Siva. Sins of many births will be destroyed, and at last you will reside in the city of Shiva. This is the expectation of your devotee, Ayodhya by name. No, I know you will remove all pain from me. So get to work. Come on, Shiv, we're singing. If one will always recite this song of praise in the early morning of every day, every desire will be fulfilled, O Lord of the universe. Victory to the great God, the Lord of Uma. Uma Pati Mahadeva Ki Jai. Jai Om Namah Shivaya. Om Sam Saraswati Namaha. Namaste. And that completes the complete uh, recitation or the complete description of the Shiva Advanced Puja. Uh, tomorrow night, we're going to uh, begin the recitation in Sanskrit. And we'll do it in two days, in two parts. We'll do up to... Uh, the, through the offerings and up to the, sac uh, the fire sacrifice on the first day and on the second day we will do the fire sacrifice and the thousand names and the appendix, the, the songs at the back. We'll do that, we'll start that recitation tomorrow. Let's see if there are any questions about 
any of the information we covered tonight or about anything in the book or about our spiritual practices in general. We have a question from Dan. Namaste, Dan! Namaste, Swamiji. Where do these songs originate from? Are they from the Puranas, such as Shiva Purana? They're from all over the place. <laughs> now, uh, the Rudrashtikam is from the Ramayana. Uh, the uh, Lingashtikam is more modern. I can't tell you where its original source is. Uh, the Purushashuptam is from the Yajurveda or from the Rigveda. This one is from the Rigveda. Uh, the Shivoham uh, Stotram is from Shankaracharya as well as the Kopin Panchakam. Um, so there are th throughout time and history from different sources and different scriptures. I collected these uh, in the appendix because they were all favorites of mine. We have a question from Swarupananda in Seattle. Namaste, Swarupananda! Pranam, one of the names in the Sahasranam was he who is unattached to happiness. How do we effectively cultivate detachment from happiness? You realize that suk and duk, pleasure and pain, happiness and sorrow are just transient states of mind. And we enter into a state of bliss, just like we were singing about in the Kopin Panchakam. We ultimately achieve peace. You know, most young people start off looking for happiness. And when you get to be old, you're just content to be in peace. So if you're trying to please yourself or make yourself happy, you're ultimately going to find that happiness resides in relation to sadness. <laughs> and pleasure resides in relation to pain. And ultimately you just want to be at peace, which is really blissful. <laughs> it's different from happy. Some things make you happy, and some things make you sad. And as long as you're pursuing happiness, you're subject to external, external stimulation, external phenomena. When you achieve peace, it comes from within. And then it, it, the outside has no effect on your inner state. We have a question from Sadhana Shakti. Namaste Sadhana! Pranam. It seems the more I chant, the more I can't remember the meanings of the Sanskrit. Shouldn't this be the opposite? It will become so. <laughs> right now, when the more you chant, the quieter your mind is becoming. So therefore you're not thinking about the meanings or the translation or how do you apply it. You're just putting yourself into the bhavana, into the feeling. And pretty soon you're going to intuit everything that you're speaking, everything that you're saying. And you won't be able to translate it word for word or verbally, but you'll translate it in experience. You'll feel it, what you're saying. So uh, don't worry about uh, understanding the word, every word or the entire meaning. It, just feel the bhavana and understand the general idea where you're trying to go and where it's going to take you and how you're going to get there. We have a related question from Dan. Yes, Dan, please. 
Once I become very familiar with the sloka, I find that my mind wanders once again, instead of, get, instead of getting into a deeper focus. Is this natural? How can we increase our focus other than adding and performing some poots? Oh, I, I, Dan, and the more you recite, the more you'll get control on bringing your mind back. And when the mind steps out, you say, oh, now I remember mind, we're chanting Sanskrit, please come back here. <laughs> please join us in that we're having this wonderful experience here, chanting this wonderful text and these beautiful mantras. Please don't remain unconscious, come back here. You're invited to this party too. And after some time of inviting your mind to return to focus, mind will stop wandering away and it'll pay attention when you're there. We have a question from Ryan in San Jose. Namaste, Ryan. Namaste. First, please allow me to say thank you to you, thank you, to you both so much for teaching us this class. You are both so spiritually inspiring, such great teachers, and such wonderful people. You are simply awesome. Namaste! My, my question is, is there any chance that you'll make a Skanda Puja book in the future? Skanda Puja? Probably not. Uh, my days of translating Sanskrit are really at an ebb. I have so many book projects on my desk and I really don't have time to even focus on the ones I've already got almost ready for publication. Uh, I need a, a more of a team, to, a team of midwives to help me deliver. Uh, and then if I had a team that could type the Sanskrit and edit the Roman and do the, uh, I could speak the translations and someone would want to transcribe, maybe we'll talk about doing more. But I've got projects in a number of languages that I just haven't had a chance or an opportunity to get to. And uh, so I don't think I will be taking on too many new projects. But thank you very kindly for, for inviting me to translate some more. We have a question from Nanda in San Jose. Namaste, Nandama! Is the entire Advanced Shiva Puja book to be chanted at the Havankun, or the Puja at the altar and then the rest of the Havankun? Does it require a separate Sankalpa at the altar and fire? No, you can take one Sankalpa and break your asan in the middle and move from the altar to the fire. Or you could put a Shiva Lingam next to the fire and worship the Shiva Lingam from one asan and then do the alahon to the fire. But we can break. But we can break. Yeah. With one sankalp. We have a question from Kantananda in Colorado. Namaste, Kanta. Namaste. Do we cultivate intuition deliberately or does it come by itself to us through grace? Or is it a bit of both? It's a bit of both. Now remember, in, in Sanskrit, grace is the term kripa. What you do is what you get. So grace isn't something that falls from heaven uh, on little old undeserving me. Grace is something that I make myself ready to receive. I make myself a fit recipient. 
a proper attitude, a cleanliness, a respectful attitude. I've got a focus. I've got an asan. I've got sincerity. I've got peace in my heart. I've got a sincere longing. These are all ingredients for the grace to fall upon me. And then I'm studying and I'm cultivating this knowledge and I'm doing and I may get. <laughs> And so the, the, the understanding and the, it will come as grace comes, but it doesn't come to little old undeserving me. It comes to me who's making an effort in that direction. We have a question from Julia. Namaste, Julia Ma. Two of the names of Shiva referred to punishment. One is punishment and one is the author of divine punishment. Can you please tell us what this means? Yes, Julia, I, I punish myself every time I do something stupid and I think about it again and again and again. Why did I do that? And here I am. I am the author of my punishment. I am the creator of my punishment. I, I created the stupid act in the first place and now I made the bed and I get to sleep in it. Uh, I am both the actor and the author of the act and the judge and the jury. And I guess I'm the executioner as well. So when I meet out the punishment, uh, it, it, it comes to me again and again and sort of pricks me like little swords and spears going into me. Uh, I don't know if you ever have that kind of feeling that, whoa, if only I hadn't. <laughs> that moment of self-deprecation where you say, what a shame. How did I blow it so badly? We have a question from Chandana. Namaste, Chandana Ma. Can Where are you calling from? Are you in Turkey? Are you in Arizona? Are you in Portland, Oregon? Chandana from where? Are you in the Davy Mandir? Can anything we do that is really difficult Tapasya? Yes, if we do it with the right mind, we do it with the right motivation, we have a, 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 a pure motive and a pure intention and tremendous sincerity and I am trying to do the very best I possibly can for the purpose of demonstrating my love for God and my sincerity and my love and my respect to my guru and I'm going to wash this, this little pot of mine I'm going to let it shine I'm going to do what I do to the highest degree of efficiency and purity and clarity as a demonstration of my love for God. Yes, anything you do can be tapas. We have a question from Joseph from Rock Island. Namaste, Joseph. Pranam, can you tell us what sacred text you are currently working on? Oh, I'm working, I'm sorry to say, I'm working on about five projects at the same time. Uh, one of them is a chandi pot in Dutch. Another one is the Dakaradi Durga Sahasranam. Another one is the Gakaradi Ganesh Sahasranam. Those are three that I'm working on right now on my desk. Uh, in addition to the other things that I do. We have a question from Usha. 
Namaste, Ushama! Pranam. One of the names of Shiva, or actually in the, um, the Yagya invocation. Yes. Hiranyagarbha. Yes. Can you tell us to which god we offer our knowledge and attention? Huh? What is meant here? Oh, I'm, I'm asking the sun. Hiranyagarbha is the golden orb or the golden womb, the garba of gold, the, the, or the womb from which the gold emanates. Uh, he's, it's the name of the sun, and it means the, the light of wisdom, the possessor of wealth. And I'm saying to you, hey, possessor of wealth, light of wisdom, you know everything. You go around the earth and you see everybody. You tell me which form of divinity is most deserving of my knowledge and my attention and my offering and my, my, who should I worship? How do I worship? I know the fire is the mouth of all the gods. To which god do I want to wish uh, to offer my, my attention and my ablation and my focus? In what way? And here Anyagar was going to give us the answer, worship them all. There's only one God. They are all parts of the one God. Any one of them, take them one at a time or take them all. But the Hiranyagarbha Samavartatagne, you know, you travel with the fire, you are the light of wisdom, you are the light of purity. Who should, who should I worship? It's an, it's an age-old question, as old as the Vedas. That's a Vedic shloka. Uh, and it, it, it's a, a verse from the Rig Veda. And he, he said, hey, who should I worship? There's, there are 33 billion gods. Uh, which one should I give puja to? And he says, worship them all. And then he says, Tvam Agni, Agni Tvam, Tvam Agni, you are the mouth of all the gods. Any god you want to worship, give it to Agni and he'll send it on its way. That's Western Union. Uh, just, just give it to Agni and he'll send it to its intended recipient. Federal Express. <laughs> So if you put it in the mouth of the, all the gods, then Agni will take his commission, just like FedEx does, and then he'll dispatch it to its intended recipient. So if you want to play it safe, worship everybody. Wherever you go, there are 33 billion gods. Some people say 33 million gods, it's, it doesn't matter, it's a tier 3 score or tier 3 sahasra. It moves from mathematician to mathematician. So there are generally 33 billion gods and you can worship them all. Which one should I worship? All of them. All of them. That's right, yes. <laughs> if you do one, that means all of them. If you do one, you worship them all. If you worship them all, you're worshiping the one. <laughs> we have a question from, from Sadatmananda in Washington. Namaste, Sadatmananda. Namaste. How should we fashion our sadhana when we are sick or exhausted? Also, as a side note, he says he wants to work in your garden of delight. Oh, namaste. Thank you very much. There's a lot of cultivation to be done right here in my garden of delight. Uh, so you're most welcome to please come here and cultivate my garden. Uh, you can also work in mom's garden too. Uh, 
Now, when you're sick or you're tired, I mean, you, you, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to make excuses why you can't do something. <laughs> you, you see, you have to go to work whether, you're, whether you want to or not. You don't get any more notes from home to take, you know, I didn't go to, to, I cut class today because I didn't feel like going. Please excuse uh, my child. We don't get any notes from home for not going to Putin. So if for some reason you got a broken leg or a broken ankle, I did, it happened to me, it happens to the best, uh, it, and you can't sit in the asan, then you sit with your leg in the cast, <laughs> and you say no hunters anyway. You <laughs> And if you can't do the whole book, then om namo shivaya, om namo shivaya, om namo shivaya, do job. And if you can't do the entire puja for some reason, I don't know why, but if you can't do the puja, then, then do part of the puja, or do a stotram, or do, do the appendix, or sing the songs at the back, or sing the songs at the front, or sing, do something. You don't get to pass and say, okay, I don't feel like it today, I'm not going to do anything. Huh. Huh. Laziness is the luxury of the rich. <laughs> If you're not the son of a really rich person, spiritually and materially, then get off your duffet and go to work. Because laziness is only the domain of, of uh, rich kids, uh, your kids of rich parents. Say, peel me a great pula. <laughs> you know, the kind that were born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Hey, lazy bum! <laughs> lazy boy, get off your duffet. You get up and sing the name of Kali. <laughs> Ultimately, you'll find a rest at the feet of Kali. <laughs> That's where you'll find your rest. You won't find any rest laying around in bed and saying, Poor me, poor me. I don't feel like doing something today. <laughs> No excuses! Sadhana is our way of life. It's as, it's as necessary to us as brushing our teeth or, or doing anything else, hygienic. If you're going to clean your body every day, then clean your mind as well. Say the name of God. Do you will. At least remember the farmer who said the name of Vishnu twice. Yes, please. We have another question from Julia. Yes, Julia Ma. Namaste. Thank you. Thank you for these auspicious teachings. Please tell us again which parts of this book would be okay for beginners to practice, which parts for an intermediate practitioner, and which part for an advanced devotee? Every part is for everyone. There are no restrictions. However, I suggest when you sit at your evening meals, please take a bite that you can chew. Don't bite off more than you can chew. You'll end up with indigestion. Just digest it all in chunks that you can digest. Eat it in little pieces. Uh, please cut your meal so that you, you can cut your vegetables so that they fit in your mouth. And don't try to stick a big radish all into your mouth at the same time. <laughs> you can't eat the whole muli at the same in one bite. Daikon. <laughs> <laughs>
We have a uh, question from Usha. Yes, Usha! Swamiji, in my past notes, you said not to put flowers in the middle of the fire as to smother it. But I assume that all the flowers need to be burned to ashes in the Yagya? No, not really. Uh, Usha, uh, if you have a small fire, uh, or you're just enkindling the fire, then put your flowers around the fire so that you make the offering to the fire, but you don't smother the fire. Now, if you have a rolling blaze and it's over your head, well, certainly you could put a great big lotus or a sunflower in the middle and it'll, the, fly, the fire will just keep burning. So, it, use your discrimination. There is no one way to show your love for God. Your way is the best way. It's your love affair, and I'm not going to tell you how you should be in love. I'm going to tell you that you should be in love, not how you should be in love. So if you've got little petals and a small fire, put the little petals around the fire. You can decorate them. If ultimately they don't get burned, so it's no harm, you're not trying to burn flowers. You're trying to burn your karma. So it's not about how you were saying, and you'll see, we're going to light the fire in the next few days. Uh, we'll do one day of the puja and one day of the fire, and you'll see how we light the fire and what it means and how it works. And we'll make a video of it so we have that part of the puja enshrined on our website someplace. Uh, anytime you have a question about how to do it, you can certainly do it yourself. We have another question from Swarupananda. Yes, Swarupananda, namaste. One of Shiva's names is he who has the threshing floor. What does that mean? Well, when you, uh, you make flour, you take the grains and you put them on the fresh threshing floor and then you separate the wheat from the chafe. Now, we're the chafe that's left over. Somebody harvested all the wheat already and they took the nutrients and all the good stuff and they gave it to Ma and we are what's left and that came to Swami. Uh, and so the threshing floor is the discriminator between what is the wheat and what is the chaff. Uh, what is the stalk and what is the fruit? So obviously you don't want to eat a bunch of straw. You want to eat the kernels of nourishment. And Shiva is the threshing floor which discriminates between what is the nourishment that goes to mom and what are the, what's the straw. You're looking at it. I'm a straw man. We have another question from Sadatmananda in Washington. Yes, Sadatmananda, namaste. In the Shiva Ashtakam, it said the god of love has a crocodile on his flag. Yes, he does. What does that mean? Well, he's, he's really voracious. <laughs> he's really devious. And that's his mascot. You know, everybody has a vahan, uh, a, a carrier that they ride on. And uh, love, common Dave, rides on a crocodile. 
So the reason he rides on a crocodile is that's the sneakiest character that can reach out and grab you when you're least suspecting it. <laughs> Watch out for Calm Dave. He makes you lose your discrimination very, very quickly. I can rationalize everything I do when I'm in the pangs of love. Om Song Saraswati Namaha. Who knows where I'll end up? In what position, with what characters, doing what kinds of things. I may even leave the association of good people in good places doing good things and go off into the forest and do stupid things with stupid people. Anything could happen. When Tom Dave's crocodile grabs me, I can forget everything. So I keep praying, Ma, keep those crocodiles away from me. Remember, Shiva said, I'm not going to marry for lust. I'll get that calm Dave out of here. I'm burning him into ashes. I don't need lust in order to marry. If the gods want a child from me and Parvati in order to slay the Asuras, I'll certainly serve the gods and I will bring forth the child, but not because calm Dave is crocodile grabbed me by the leg and pulled me down on so I'm gasping for air. Om Sam Sarasvati Namaha. Namaste.